0: Cousins, you're gonna you'll feel it, trust me. And again, you know, I, I know people have their allegiances, though you don't have to be a 49er fan. You don't even have to be an NFL fan. You this this will resonate with you, trust.
1: There you have it. Juan Amador. Yeah. You gotta say Juan Amador. <laughs> when you say it, you right. gotta hold your hand out and yeah. say it like it's Juan right. Amador, you know. Shout, you know? Out, shout out to my dude from <laughs> Democracy
2: Now, but you
1: know.
3: We're gonna take
1: a break on Hard Knock Radio.
3: You're listening to KBOO Portland.
4: KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the 29th Annual Cascade Festival of African Films from Friday, February 1st through Saturday, March 2nd. The Cascade Festival of African Films represent different countries and cultures and a range of lifestyles from pre-colonial to modern times, including both rural and urban settings. Films include Razzia, a film from Morocco, and more at the Hollywood Theater, and Wale from Burkina Faso, Fig Tree from Ethiopia, shorts from emerging African filmmakers, and many more at the Moriarty Arts and Humanities Building, Room 104, at the PCC Cascade Campus. 705 North Killingsworth Street in Portland. Again, that's the 29th Annual Cascade Festival of African Films from Friday, February 1st through Saturday, March 2nd. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
0: Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. We continue our ongoing coverage of the U.S.-backed attempted coup now underway in oil-rich Venezuela. We speak to the Barbados ambassador to CARICOM, um, the organization representing Caribbean nations, about CARICOM's objections to the U.S. moves on Venezuela and about the CARICOM countries who are standing with the U.S. position. Our guest is Barbados based David Commission. And we contrast the U.S. regime change playbook as it was implemented in Haiti, Honduras, and twice in Venezuela. We speak to Kevin Pina, journalist and Haiti expert. For our Campaigners for Black Lives series, we speak with... Evan Bunch of Dignity and Power Now about the latest controversy around the findings that LAPD illegally stopped black drivers. That is the Los Angeles Police Department. Also, our weekly Earth Minute. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted, women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Eileen Alfandary.
3: Congressional negotiators get to work today trying to hammer out a funding bill whose centerpiece will be further border security measures, which critics dub border militarization. President Trump has threatened to trigger another shutdown if negotiators don't come up with a plan acceptable to him by the February 15th deadline when current spending authorization runs out. Senate Democratic Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said that left to their own devices, he's confident Democrats and Republican lawmakers can come up with a deal. We've come to big agreements before, for example, on budgets and Russian sanctions. What was the common theme? When the President stays out of the negotiations, we almost always succeed. When he mixes in, it's a formula for failure. So I'd ask President Trump, let Congress deal with it on its own. Trump showed no inclination to stay out of the mix. He tweeted this morning that the Republican and Democratic negotiators would be wasting their time if they aren't discussing or contemplating a wall or physical barrier. Republicans are showing little appetite for another shutdown. Maine Senator Susan Collins said those who thought that shutdowns were a good idea have been disabused. The heads of U.S. intelligence agencies directly contradicted President Donald Trump on several fronts. The director of national intelligence, head of the CIA, and FBI director delivered a congressional briefing. They told Congress that North Korea is unlikely to dismantle its nuclear arsenal, that the Islamic State group remains a threat, and that the Iran nuclear deal is working. The chiefs also made no mention of a crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border, which Trump has cited in arguing for his expanded border wall. A deadly Arctic deep freeze enveloped the Midwest with record low temperatures. The sub-zero freeze triggered widespread closures of schools, universities and businesses, canceled flights and prompted the Postal Service to take the rare step of suspending mail delivery to a wide swath of the region. Officials throughout the area were focused on protecting vulnerable people from the cold, including the homeless, seniors and those living in substandard housing. Some buses were turned into mobile warming shelters to help the homeless in Chicago, where temperatures plunged to minus 19 degrees. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzer issued a disaster proclamation for the entire state.
4: I'm urging every Illinoisan to take this weather very seriously. These conditions are and can be life-threatening. Even short periods of exposure to this type of weather can be dangerous.
3: The governors of Wisconsin and Michigan also declared emergencies. The bitter cold is the result of a split in the polar vortex, which normally hovers above the North Pole. That split is believed to be due to climate disruption caused by global warming. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro huddled with his military ahead of yet another anti-government protest scheduled for today. At the same time, Maduro said he's willing to negotiate with the country's opposition for the sake of peace and the country's future. Maduro said talks could be held with the mediation of other countries. At the United Nations, the Venezuelan ambassador said the Trump administration has no moral high ground when it comes to the situation in Venezuela.
1: What does this government want? This government that doesn't recognize treaty, that doesn't recognize any of the agreements made around Iran and signed by various European countries, that launches a trade war with China, that threatens Russia with a nuclear war, that attacks in a very sadistic manner migrants from Central America who arrived there, that has built a wall, a criminal wall, that sequesters children to make them suffer, children of migrants, and this government, this U.S. government would have any moral authority to impose any diktat on Venezuela?
3: The Venezuelan government has barred National Assembly President Juan Guaido from leaving the country while he's investigated for anti-government activities. The government also froze his bank accounts. Guaido declared himself Venezuela's interim president, a move immediately backed by the U.S. and nearly two dozen other countries. Democrats have selected former Georgia Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams to deliver the Democratic response to President Trump's State of the Union address next Tuesday evening. Abrams marshaled the power of black women voters but narrowly lost the Georgia governor's race after voter suppression efforts. Her address will be a counterpoint to Trump, who has a habit of derogatory comments against black women. He has, for instance, repeatedly called Los Angeles Congresswoman Maxine Waters low IQ. California Attorney General Javier Becerra will deliver the Spanish-language response to the State of the Union. Becerra has become litigator-in-chief, filing and participating in dozens of lawsuits challenging Trump administration policies on immigration, health care, and the environment. I'm Eileen Alfonderry. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on
0: Pacifica Radio. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and we're continuing our coverage of the U.S.-backed, attempted coup now going on in Venezuela. Uh, Some of the latest news, the U.S. has certified the authority of the Venezuelan opposition leader, Juan Guaido, to control certain assets held by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York for Venezuela or any other U.S.-insured banks. Uh, and that was announced on Tuesday, January 29th. The measure totals, we are told, $7 billion in assets blocked, plus $11 billion in lost export proceeds over the next year. You also know, if you've been following our coverage, um, that the Trump administration has slapped uh, sanctions on PDVSA, Um, the oil company, Venezuela's oil company. And last week, the Bank of England denied Nicolas Maduro, the elected president of Venezuela, permission to withdraw more than a billion dollars in gold that belongs to Venezuela and is being held in the Bank of England. And the UK is saying that they no longer recognize Nicolas Maduro as the country's head of state. And uh, all of the money that is basically being held or one could say stolen uh, from Venezuela right now. We are being told that that will be funneled uh, to uh, Guaido, who announced himself last week As president of Venezuela, even though he was not elected president of Venezuela. Now, Russia is criticizing the U.S. for its stance on Venezuela. And on Tuesday, January 29th, described the latest sanctions against Maduro's government as illegitimate. And a Russian spokesman said the new U.S. measures blocking all U.S. revenue from Venezuela's national oil company... Were the latest example of Washington using economic sanctions to further U.S. commercial. Interests. Also, China's foreign policy issued similar remarks on U.S. sanctions against Venezuela. Meanwhile, um, Juan Guaido has called for walkouts uh, to happen today, uh, for protests uh, to happen today. Also, on Tuesday, January 29th, uh, Venezuela's Supreme Court, barred uh, Guaido from leaving Venezuela and ordered a freeze on his financial uh, assets. And uh, also, um, Nicolas Maduro, Venezuela's president, uh, during an interview with a Russian news agency said that Donald Trump, quote, gave the order to kill me, adding that, he told the Colombian government, the Colombian mafia will kill me, and also says if anything happens to him, um, they should be held accountable. Meanwhile, the heads of government of the Caribbean community, known as CARICOM, including the Prime Minister of Barbados, Mia Amor Motley, met by video conference on Thursday on the latest developments in the situation in the Bolivarian Republic. Public of Venezuela and issued a statement. We're going to find out more about that uh, from our guest. But we are going to be going uh, to a clip now from CNBC. Uh, Let's go to that uh, clip. And we're also going to hear... um, about um, Nicolas Maduro saying hands-off Venezuela.
2: He's criticized other administrations and yet here we are with Venezuela where they are tacitly encouraging regime change. So what's really going on here? Well the administration would say on its behalf two things. One, it's not just the administration by itself saying you know what we think there ought to be regime change in Venezuela. There's a process that's gone on there. The National Assembly is a representative political institution in venezuela many regard it i just say many on the outside regard it as the last remaining democratic institution in the country has chosen juan Guaido, mm-hmm. and other countries have endorsed the administration's effort to recognize Juan Guaido as the legitimate leader of Venezuela and no longer regard Nicolas Maduro and those who still support him as legitimate. The Organization of American States, many other countries, significant European allies have said there's about an eight-day timeline for the Maduro regime to call for new elections to begin a transfer of power that is peaceful there. so. It is within this conversation worth noting that it's not just one U.S. administration saying something needs to change in Venezuela. Point two, and along the lines of the question you just asked, Don, I put it to the National Security Advisor. What is the U.S. security interest here? Well, he said stability, one, humanitarian crisis, two, and the sense that there is this deeply illegitimate government in a powerful or once powerful and once rich country in the Southern Hemisphere running rampant, inflicting violence, repression and bloodshed almost heedlessly. Hmm. That is something the United States has a vested interest in. And there was also a point in which he said the involvement of Cuba is more than mildly worrisome to this administration. You take all that together, that's why there's this focus on, on Venezuela. I would only say as a sidelight, there might be those in the human rights community and the national security community who say, what about North Korea? Almost all of those exact same things are true, plus it has nuclear weapons, and you're going to have another summit with the leader of that country, but that's a sidelight.
0: All righty, and now we're going to uh, go on to hear um, President uh, Nicolas Maduro saying hands off Venezuela and a little bit about the debate that took place last Saturday at the UN. Venezuela.
5: Donald Trump hunts at Venezuela. De immediati.
0: All righty, and now we're going to go to the real news on the UN debate.
5: Constitution. But what about if we look at the uh, international law, the charter? where where is this based on are we simply uh, uh, setting aside uh, international relations based on international law and uh, replacing them with international relations based on force
0: China supports the efforts made by the Venezuelan government to uphold national sovereignty independence and stability
2: the meeting
5: Uh, which we are being forced to be present, is another element of the strategy of the United States uh, uh, to effect regime change in Venezuela. We regret that in this unethical ploy, in its unethical ploys, the United States is involving the Security Council.
1: Colombia has come here to the Security Council to ask the international community to demand that the life and well-being of Juan Guaido is upheld and not just that he is protected but also the members of the national assembly and all those who fight for democracy and indeed we have called for the come to call for the international community's support for all those Venezuelans who are sparing no effort to build a better future Sweet. belgium calls for the restoration of constitutional order in venezuela the presidential elections which took place in may of last year were in no way free fair or credible thus stripping the government of Nicolás Maduro of any democratic legitimacy. The main threat to peace and security in Latin America and the Caribbean is in fact the bullying by the United States and its allies of the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela, which is a flagrant affront to the popular will of the people of venezuela and to the institutional framework of this country i ask the question honestly if we look back through history which country has been better after an intervention by the united states of america have we not discussed in this very security council the serious adverse impact and consequences of situations such as the current uh, situation in iraq or syria or in libya
0: all righty there you go so that Took place this past Saturday in the UN. You heard uh, Colombia, of course, making a case for the U.S. position. I would now like to welcome our guest, David Commission, the ambassador to the Caribbean community, uh, CARICOM, uh, representing Barbados, and that is the uh, an organization of the Caribbean uh, governments. He is also active in the Caribbean Pan-African Network. He's an attorney, writer, and political activist. David Comision is the author of the 2013 book, It's the Healing of the Nation, the Case for Reparations in an Era of Recession and Recolonization. He's also the author of Marching Down the Wide Streets of Tomorrow, Emancipation Essays and Speeches. David Comision, Welcome.
5: Thank you, Margaret. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Okay, so David Comisiung, the Caribbean uh, nations have been playing a critical role in pushback against this us back attempted coup. But before we get to that, a lot of people may write off um, individual islands, you know, Barbados and, you know, St. Vincent, etc., as small and and not very relevant. But could you just uh, tell us really about the impact of uh, the Caricom nations when they are put together as a block, especially as it relates to geopolitical politics and also the economy in the Americas, David Commission
5: Well, Caricom is a block of fifteen nations in the Caribbean. Um, significantly, those nations, almost all of them, have very strong. Democratic credentials. These are these are countries that uphold human rights, that practice um, democratic politics. In fact, for many years, Barbados was rated as the freest nation in the entire in the entire world. So that is our tradition. We we are not militarily powerful. We are not a threat to anybody militarily or economically. What we can bring is principle, is commitment to principle and a commitment to speak truth to power. And we we have seen instances in the past where um, CARICOM has exhibited that kind of of power and influence, Uh, most famously uh, in 1972, when the four founder nations of CARICOM, um, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, Guyana, and uh, Barbados, um broke the isolation imposed on the revolutionary um government of Cuba by the United States of America and the Organization of American States, defied the OAS and recognized Cuba um diplomatically, established diplomatic and economic relations with Cuba and um and and led the way basically for virtually the the entire um Western hemisphere. And, and so we have demonstrated that, um, we can, we can stand on principle and we can speak truth to power and we can be, uh, an agent for progressive change.
0: Right. And uh, so, David, in that last clip uh, that we just heard, uh, you heard uh, the commentator, uh, who I think was from the Brookings Institute, uh, saying that the OAS supports the U.S. position. Not exactly in those words, but that's basically what he meant in his reference to the OAS. Is that true? the, o-
5: the u s position would constitute a breach a fundamental breach of the charter of the organization of american states uh, the the, the os charter um, um, holds up the principle of the inviolability of the uh, the integrity of national of the national territory of of sovereign nations um, so you know so that, that's that's that 's totally ridiculous um, the point about Caricom is that you have persons located thousands of miles away from uh, Venezuela taking all kinds of positions. But the countries that are that neighbor Venezuela, Venezuela is part of our Caribbean region. If there is um, violence in in Venezuela if there is military conflict in Venezuela, the people, the countries that are going to be directly affected are not the United States, are not Canada. They are going to be countries like Trinidad and Tobago, uh, Barbados, St. Vincent, Grenada. So so we are the ones most directly affected, and therefore we have something to say about what is happening um, in Venezuela. The CARICOM heads of government recognize that this is a crisis, that the actions taken by certain powers in recognizing, in purporting to recognize Juan Guaido, um, has set this situation on a path towards serious um, civil disturbance and military conflict and that and this will have devastating consequences not only for the people of venezuela but for the entire caribbean region so with that in mind we called an emergency meeting of our prime ministers last thursday Uh, we discussed the situation we we came up with a collective statement on the issue where we emphasize that our guiding principles are those of non-interference and non-intervention in the affairs of sovereign states, respect for sovereignty, adherence to the rule of law, and respect for human rights and democracy. We also made it clear that we are committed to the concept of the Caribbean being a zone of peace, and that everything must be done through dialogue and peaceful means um, to defuse this um, situation in Venezuela, our heads of government also offered have offered their good offices to facilitate dialogue among all parties to resolve this deepening crisis. And we also determined that we were going to approach the United Nations to ask them to partner with us partner with CARICOM in helping to resolve the issue. And so that was on Thursday last week. On Saturday, the CARICOM statement was presented at the meeting of the UN Security Council by Barbados' ambassador to the UN, Elizabeth Thompson. In addition, um, representatives of St. Vincent and Grenadines, Antigua, um, Dominica and Suriname addressed the Security Council meeting. And then, on Monday, a caricom delegation comprising Prime Ministers Harris of St Kitts, Motley of Barbados and Rowley of Trinidad and Tobago, along with secretary General of caricom La Roque, um, had a meeting with with the secretary general of the u n in in New York and met with representatives of several other relevant countries so Caricom has launched a diplomatic initiative that is geared to bring in all of the contending parties to the table, so that a process of dialogue um, could take place, with a view to diffusing this very very dangerous situation and and finding a path towards um, you know a, a solution that preserves the social order. Of
0: Venezuela, yeah, and you know, uh, David Commission, I had I saw a report that the United States had put forward a resolution at the OAS, and that uh, basically they did not get the majority vote. I think it was eighteen or something like that against. I I don't remember exact. Uh, the exact number, no, but there there was pushback, and, uh, and I imagine that the CARICOM nations uh, played a role in that pushback. Is that right? What,
5: okay, what happened, on the, on the 10th of January, the same day that uh, Nicholas Maduro was being inaugurated as president, the OAS held a session, and a resolution was put forward um, stating that um, the, the uh, calling on states not to um, support um, N- Maduro's inauguration, in other words, to declare that Maduro is not the legitimate um, president of of Venezuela. Yeah. Um, several CARICOM countries voted for that um, a resolution. Several voted against, and the majority abstained. Um, then. On the 22nd or the, or the 23rd, we got this this striking and surprising declaration by Guaido that he was declaring himself president of Venezuela. And almost immediately, the United States recognized him and several of their cohorts in in Latin America, uh, Canada and, and some of the, the right wing regimes that um tend to be very anti Venezuela, Colombia and, and and Brazil and so forth. And that is what really shook up um CARICOM because even those countries that had some difficulty with Maduro, I don't think they rec- I don't think they understood that this was leading um, to this attempt to set up a parallel government in and in, in Venezuela because once you set up that parallel government you're now heading for serious military conflict and um, and civil war so the 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 there was a session of the OAS last week Thursday where the those Countries opposed to Venezuela attempted to have a resolution passed um, legitimizing Guaido, but they were unable to do it. So, no resolution was passed um, um, legitimizing um, Guaido as they wished to happen. And some of the CARICOM countries that had Had voted to say that they did not recognize Maduro, were clearly not prepared to recognize Guaido because uh, what would make Guaido president of of Venezuela? Guaido has not been part of any electoral presidential electoral process. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing in the constitution of Venezuela. That could lead to a result where Guaido is declared president or interim president of the country. So, so, so yes. So that failed at the OAS last Thursday, and um, and now that it has become clear that that vote in the OAS on the 10th of January was actually part of a whole ploy (laughs) to force this parallel government on Venezuela, it has caused um, some of our, our our governments that went along with that 10th of January report to have um, serious reservations about where they were being led um, by those who proposed that resolution.
0: Right. Well, thank you for that, Uh, David. We're going to have to take our station break now. Um, I'm not quite sure if your schedule will allow you to uh, stay with us after we're going to take our station break. And then uh, Kevin Pina will be joining us and we'll be talking a little bit about the U.S. regime change playbook as it has played out in Haiti, um, Honduras and and Venezuela. Um, So.